Welcome to Fishing Stories. I'm Corinne Doctor. And I'm Garrison Doctor. Fly fishing takes us to incredible places right in our backyard and across the world. We're here to tell you the stories of those adventures. We've been wanting to make a podcast for a while now. And uh, since it's March of 2020, we are currently in the coronavirus pandemic situation. So we find ourselves a little more time on our hands. So we're going to give it a go. The original vision for this podcast was to sit down with friends and imagine a campfire between us and a glass of whiskey in our hands and literally tell fishing stories to one another. Um, But with the literal fact that we have to be separated from one another, we're going to start with just some stories between the two of us. We're married to each other. We fish together all the time, and we've had an amazing opportunity um, together to get to travel the world and fish and, you know, that's kind of the current vision. Hopefully when we get to sit with our friends again, we will get them in on the fun. But for now it's a Garrison and Corinne fishing stories adventure. On this inaugural episode, we are going to talk about some fishing stories from one of our favorite places in the world, Jurassic Lake Lodge in Patagonia, Argentina. Um, We do have some audio that we recorded at the lodge that we'll dive into a little bit later on. But before we do that, we wanted to set the stage for you guys a little bit for those of you who are not familiar with the place um, and just kind of orient you a little bit. so Jurassic Lake, also known as Lago Strobel, is a large terminal lake in Patagonia and Argentina. And Garrison, for those who don't know, what is a terminal lake? Terminal lake meaning there's a river. I, I think it's just one small river that flows into this large, um, from, from what we've heard, a volcano caldera and forms this huge lake and there's no outflow. So the evaporation off of the lake is so intense. It tends to be a little bit windy down there as you'll hear from our recording. Oh yeah, a bit windy for sure. (laughs) The evaporation is so intense, there's no outflow river. So it builds up a ton of nutrients. People might be familiar with Pyramid Lake in Nevada. Pyramid Lake in Nevada is also a terminal lake. Builds up a ton of nutrients. Also a big fish factory. Um, So that's the setting. You're in the Patagonian steppe region. So um, the steppe of Argentina is a very dry, arid, almost akin to a western sagebrush environment. Yeah. For anyone who's fished in Wyoming, we like to kind of compare it to Wyoming just visually um there's not a lot of tall grasses there's not tall trees because it's windswept i mean it is a tall plateau um that just gets ripped by wind and so nothing can really survive above what would you say three feet yeah i mean tops unless you're in a really sheltered valley right and it is an arid place as well the river the rio barrancoso that uh feeds the lake is a snowmelt um situation as far as we can tell it's it's mainly fed by snowmelt there's sometimes it, it does rain occasionally but not a ton no and if it is raining a lot of times it like evaporates before it even hits the ground so right 
So, Corinne, do you want to talk a little bit about the history of the lodge or the lake as we understand it and the history of the lodge as we understand it? Just set the scene. Yeah, well, we've been lucky enough to become really good friends with the owner of the lodge, Carlos, and the manager of the lodge, Lou, and then a lot of the guides there. And so we get to kind of hear these stories throughout the times that we touch base with them, either at the lodge or at trade shows or whatever. And so the lodge is situated on a private estancia. Um, which is basically a big ranch. And it was part of back many years ago. There's different estimates of the time. Like 1995 is kind of right in there. We may have to fact check with Carlos, but right around mid nineties, this area was seen as a really great place to try out some aquaculture because there were these big lagoons that had a lot of nutrients. It's scud galore in all of these lagoons. So there's huge food source, not any native fish that are eating them, native birds, which is a whole other scenario. But um, the amount of food that was seen there was seen as, oh, well, great. Let's feed some fish. We will be able to sell these fish. They'll fatten up fast, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it took very long for someone to put a few trout in one of these smaller, you know, decent size, but much smaller than Jurassic Lake, these smaller lagunas, and see the growth rates on these fish was astronomical. Because like Corinne said, I mean, from top to bottom, there's a lot of nutrients, very alkaline system that creates a plethora of scuds. I mean, a huge food base for these fish. And they, um, so they were trying to farm these fish basically and there is this one outpost that's still there that i think was the original main outpost where the people would take the fish harvest the fish out of the lagunas and then take it to the outpost and then the people would come buy it but both from the lagunas to the outpost and then outpost to the towns was just so ridiculously far away and not good roads. I mean, the we talk about the road into the lodge is basically the least hard way to get over the rocks. Yeah, it logistically was not an economically viable situation so in any way, shape, or form. The trout are in there. The aquaculture has been abandoned. And then the fishing was kind of discovered by some people that were kind of cruising through the area. They had heard rumors of these big fish, and so they got permission to go fish for them. Right. Yeah, our understanding is that they're relatively pure strain, McLeod River strain rainbows that were, you know, filtered down to be these aquaculture fish that then got dumped into the river and then fed into the lake. Um, It would have been a pretty amazing experience to be one of the first guys to roll up to Jurassic Lake and... Not know what was in there. No, and they're pretty eager to eat a fly, as we've seen. (laughs) Um, And so for many, many years, the first years of people fishing it, um, it was just a tent camp, and they called it the Loop Camp because it was the people from Loop that were fishing it. And it was just tents, uh, and they were, you know, cooking over fire and all of that. And then eventually the lodge started growing they made the main lodge they made some dorms they made nicer cabins and now it's a top top class operation down there yeah very remote but really well done so comfortable and now jurassic lake lodge does do charter flights in and out to a gravel quote-unquote airstrip 
nearby to avoid the drive-in if you do not want to do the drive-in. Um, so it's actually a lot easier to get to than it used to be. And Garrison mentioned at the top that it's Lago Strobel, so Strobel Lake, um, is the actual name of the lake, but why, Garrison, is it called Jurassic Lake Lodge? As I understand it, the original, you know, guys, the... um I'm trying to remember his name. It'll come to me. But the original guys who were fishing it wanted to talk about it, but not give it away. So So, secret fishing spots have always been a thing. Right. By referring to it (laughs) as Jurassic Lake Lodge, they could talk about it without giving away the name of it. Now, just to crush all of your do-it-yourselfers hopes and dreams, it is fully private. So... As far as we can tell, uh, and I would not recommend, like there's no way to try to get in and fish it on your own, even if you got down to remote Patagonian Argentina. No, it would be impossible. And you really wouldn't want to miss out on the first class service. That is for sure. Um, So the reason we even ended up there in the first place is we... You know, we own Rep Your Water Apparel, and so we do a number of trade shows, and we were at one, and after three, four days of being next to someone, you kind of become their friend over those couple of days, and we were lucky enough to be positioned next to Carlos at the, it was the Sportsman's Expo in Denver. So consumer-facing show, you've got people coming and going, they want to talk about hats with us, they want to talk about fishing in Patagonia with Carlos. And um, Carlos, of course, had this loop going of, I'm sure many of you have seen it that have been to film tours throughout the years of the dry fly eats in the pocket water of these huge rainbow trout. Yeah, I mean, just spectacularly huge fish. And I was, you know, you're there for four or five days, like Corinne said. At a certain point, I was like, Carlos, what do I have to do to get down there to see this? I can't watch this again. I got to go, man. How do we make this happen? So we got the plan in the works and sure enough, we got to um, go fish for the first time. We got to spend Thanksgiving of, it must've been 2017, Thanksgiving of 2017 down at the lodge. And we just had such an amazing time. Yeah, it's a spectacular fishery for a number of reasons, but it's also a really fun place to stay, especially at this particular lodge, because you're right at the you know position where the river flows into the lake. So picture this lake that's, you know, multiple miles across and long. It's a huge piece of water. But what do all these fish want to do? They want to come check out the river, of course. It's oh, yeah. the only moving water coming in. So at any time of the year. There's a lot of activity around the mouth of the river. So it's positioned in this incredible spot, even on this fishery, um, with multiple bays nearby, the mouth of the river, and then the river itself, depending on the flows, um, you know, it, it holds obviously these lake run fish that are huge proportions for the size of this water. I mean, this this river, a lot of the years flowing, what, 30, 40, 50 CFS? I mean, it's not a huge piece of water. No, it's a small river. Yeah. Um, my very first memory of getting there is the, so the first trip that we took down to Jurassic Lake, and we have been lucky enough to go two times, um, was that we drove in because we wanted to see a little bit of Patagonia. So we spent some time down in a beautiful town called El Calafate and we saw glaciers and we did all of the 
turista things. And then we drove in with who became our guide and now friend William from Calafate to the lodge. And it's like a seven hour drive. Yeah, at least. And so we've been on the road for a while. We get there. We're greeted very exuberantly by our friend Lou, who's the manager down there. And we had met him at trade shows before. And so here we are in the bottom half of the world, seeing each other again. We're very excited. And he just looks at us and says, well, guys, why don't you go explore a little bit? You can fish a little bit. And we're thinking, okay, they're just going to trust us to kind of orient ourselves okay great here we go i mean we know trout so let's get it so off we go we know how to fish it's gonna be fine so we rig up we wait her up and off we go one of the beats on the on the river is called the pool and it's exactly what you would think it's like a big pool where fish congregate before they head upstream and so we get to the pool and we're kind of looking at it. Okay, Garrison, where do, where should we start? Should we start over here? Maybe that island looks like we could get out to that island a little bit. And then we could reach the back side. You know, we're thinking fish structure, fish the wall, fish like where it kind of curves off. And as we get closer to the quote unquote island, we realized it was all fish. Yeah, the island was mobile. Yeah, so we were not going to step on the island to fish. Um, But because the fish were so highly concentrated there, um, we had to fish single dries. I mean, it was, it was tough stuff, but somebody had to do it. Yeah. It was spring on that trip, obviously being Thanksgiving, you're in the Southern hemisphere. So spring, so big staging of the rainbows in the river. So just a ton of fish in the system at that time, ton of fish. And I remember we both had, I know I had a big, purple and black chubby on and Garrison was fishing a single dry you know like we're not that far away from each other and all of a sudden this fish eats and I just started yelling Garrison oh my god there's actually fish in here this is amazing and that first fish was absolutely the biggest trout I had ever ever landed on fly right only to be beaten many times over. Oh, yeah. it That fish became average. I mean, it was like a 12-pound trout. Right. And it became average. Right. Yeah, what do they they say the fish average? I think like 10 to 12 pounds. Right. I think it's probably a little high. I think it's more in that 8 range. But, I mean, all it takes is a couple in that 15, 16, 17 to get that average back, back up. Yeah, for sure. So... We had that entire week. It was amazing. We loved it so much that we wanted to host a trip back. And so we started kind of gathering interest level from friends and contacts. And so we started putting together our trip for April of 2019. And that is the trip where we actually grabbed some recording right after it was, you know, we fished that last morning and then we were just having a little happy hour with our guide matt and we captured some audio from that right after uh the full week so we do want to share that with you guys definitely and just to kind of set the stage a little bit that trip was in uh march and april early april yeah yeah we got there on the first or second of yeah april. early april uh so the fall obviously it's a rainbow trout fishery so you would picture a lot less um spawning run activity however these rainbow trout almost have a life cycle more akin to a steelhead um, where they will try to push up the river, I mean, in the fall for sure. They're looking to stage a little bit. So the fall is actually a really cool time to be there because you have these huge, fresh 
chrome fish. I mean, these rainbow trout really do, when they're fresh out of the lake, have a coloration more akin to an ocean fish because the water is so deep and so clear. Yeah, they're bright um, turquoise and silvery and just gorgeous. Right. I mean, salmonids, as most of us have seen, have such an incredible ability to adapt to different coloration. And from what I have heard, that lighter silvery tone is a indication of spending more time at depth. Um, so those big fresh fish that have been feeding on the lake are circling the river mouth. Um, really fun time to be there. Um, you'll hear a couple of names during this clip. Yeah, so we got to fish, the two of us, so Garrison and Corinne together, and then our friend Woody, who Garrison and I, quick background, we were college sweethearts. We've been married for over 10 years. So our friend Woody was one of our best friends in college. He was my freshman roommate. And what lucky boys you were. Yes, yes, we were. (laughs) And so Woody was on our trip with us, and then we were with our guide Matt, the entire week. And then William, who was our guide the very first trip we ever went, got to fish with us for that first day when we were down there. So he makes an appearance in the stories. And um, so we just want to share this take two trip to Jurassic Lake Lodge with you guys momentarily. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for joining us. We're here at Lago Strobel, more commonly known as Jurassic Lake, uh, Patagonia, Argentina, uh, just finishing off an incredible week of fishing. Uh, the wind is blowing well, maybe 130 kilometers somewhere around that yeah. right now. So pretty good white froth on the lake. We're sitting the last afternoon out and uh, we're choosing beer instead of fishing at yeah. the moment. <laughs> Not a common choice for us, but the wind conditions sort of dictate that one. Um, Matt's been guiding us and uh, just kind of introducing us and putting us on some incredible fish this week. Uh, tell us a couple highlights from your perspective, Matt. Um, I would definitely say the first day, Corinne catching that big one uh, with William as well, who's uh, William works here as well, and um, he came out guiding with us. And um, she'd she'd been she'd been at it all day trying. We'd been changing flies. We'd been yeah. We tried. Was well, it a tough day? It was. We, it really was. We um, went through at least fifteen uh, flies. Yeah, yeah, at least, and probably yeah, went least. back to yeah. some as well. Um, whilst Woody and um, and Garrison were were catching a few, um, it was a classic example of what can happen in fishing. Yes. And then on the last. Well, it wasn't quite the well, pretty much. I think it was the last cast. Yeah, Yeah. one was down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, She went and caught an absolute monster. So, um, which turned out to be the biggest fish of the trip, still, didn't it? Yeah, Yeah. we all decided it was. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We say big. Let's. What are we talking about here? It was twenty pounds, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, I think the measurements because it was thirty-three by thirty-two. Okay, let's not tell too much of a fishing story. You know, I like to keep edging them up the scale. 32 length by 21 girth rainbow trout yeah which is a big fish for her yeah really big fish not bad and a big fish for here is a really big fish (laughs) garrison what was your highlight there's many to choose from but we had a tough day and this lake is like these very uh different different bays big rocky 
craggy bays and we were fishing this bay near the lodge and uh it was just tough there weren't a lot of fish in it the wind was here and there and changing and all over the place uh we decided to put on dry flies yes and just as long as we could out into this bay and you're looking at this this tiny little dry fly in this lake and this lake is huge i mean it's a giant piece of water and you just don't really picture this happening you haven't seen a fish in a really long time and then all of a sudden just a confident roll eat i mean you can see the fish coming they're so big that was pretty cool to see and that same afternoon woody i i think he'll, he'll have that etched in his mind for the rest of his life but yeah from we had yeah, yeah i think it was a 20 pound fish enormous and it it did <laughs> eat his dry fly yeah, for a second he was not expecting it <laughs> no. whatsoever no um what, so no what level of fish would we give that one a cracking a fish? Cracking fish <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt has introduced us to some new terminology through the week. And we'll take the term cracking fish with us when Definitely. we go home. Yeah. Corinne, how about a highlight from your perspective? Well, definitely that first fish um, that was the fish of a thousand casts, but, you know, this lake is so incredible. It has such different fisheries within, you know, a half a mile of each other. And so upriver a little bit, there's pocket water that is holding the same size fish that are coming out of the lake. And so this may or may not have been after Garrison fell on his rod and broke it. Typical. (laughs) (laughs) And Matt and I were moving upstream and we're going to, check out some of the pocket water and so off we went and it was right after it rained and you know this is basically the high desert and the smells that were coming up were just incredible I mean it smelled like a fresh spring rain even though it's like there's not a tree taller than me and it's fall and it's fall and uh Matt had me, well, we won't confess what we tied on, but (laughs) we were going to give it a go. Yeah. (laughs) And just tight, keep a tight line in a pool that was maybe, you know, 10 feet by 10 feet hooked up to this, I mean, well, maybe four pound. Yeah, yeah. Trout for such a tiny pool. Landed it after keeping it out of the rocks for a while and... As we landed it, this rainbow came up above (laughs) the pool. The rainbow trout, the rainbow above. There was no camera to be found, but we took a couple mental pictures. Yes, yeah, yeah. And had to let it go back. (laughs) Yeah, spectacular. It was epic. Spectacular. (laughs) A place unlike any other. I had a couple of sessions in the, the wind that was, I don't know, maybe... At least 30 miles an hour. Yeah, oh, more than that. Yeah. More than that. Yeah. And, you know, breaking waves and spray. And to hook, you know, a 15-pound-plus caliber fish with that amount of wind and wave in play is an experience unlike any other. I mean, it's not a trout fishing experience that you encounter in many places in the world. Anywhere. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and I think I've, I've quite enjoyed this week as well because I've, I think a lot of the times in conditions like we've had, I would have been, we would have been back here. Yeah. But I've actually, I've really quite enjoyed having people that are willing to stick it in those conditions because it's almost quite funny from my perspective to stand on the bank and just watch <laughs> crashing over you and all of you getting battered by the wind. <laughs> and watching me try to cast. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Garrison's willing to take a little abuse. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been good and you get your reward here for doing that as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you when do. you do hook a big one in those waves, it's... Um, you're working physically for it, not just mentally. So Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, it is on another level. We had a moment today and I was out on a point in the lake and the wind was just coming straight at my face. I mean, just in the teeth of it. And the waves had kicked up and I was really struggling to get a 10-foot cast. But sometimes the fish will cruise the edge on a deep drop-off. So even a 10 to 15-foot cast can produce a trout. So I'm really struggling. And then the wind just kicked up another level. And it was really tough. And Matt and our friend Woody are above me and start yelling. And I can see out in the bay is this trout. Just one fish. One, one fish. fish. <laughs> but it was huge. Huge. I mean, it looked like a submarine out yeah. there. But I mean, it was 40 yards out. We're watching it. And this thing all of a sudden just comes... I mean, almost right to me. It was within casting distance, which was amazing for the time. You say that, except yeah, yeah. I could yeah. not. That. It was. You're looking at possibly a 20 pound fish, you know, what, 15, 20 feet away from you? Yeah. And I could not get a cast into the wind no. to put a fly. It was involved. And then the waves were breaking literally over, over my head. Yeah. yeah. Called that. It's one. a mental picture that it's very difficult to describe, really, isn't yeah. it? And the actual <laughs> casting directly into a wind like that is, is in, yeah, it's not easy, no. really. Um, no. But it was entertaining to watch you try. <laughs> <laughs> not many will uh, stick that no. up. <laughs> well, cheers to a great week. Yeah. Cheers. Appreciate you. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much. Cheers, man. Thank you for pleasure, putting guys. up with us. Yeah. <laughs> it's been good fun. Mm -hmm. There you have it, guys. Some words from the shores of Jurassic Lake. Sounds like we were taking advantage of the happy hour on that portion. Yeah, the open bar was flowing. <laughs> um, hope you enjoyed that. We look forward to telling you guys some more fishing stories and also having some guests on the podcast telling some stories from their voice as well um, coming up. And as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it is March 2020 right now, and we're in the thick of the coronavirus pandemic. And while we are all affected, um, we really have the guides and the fly shops and the lodges at the forefront of our mind right now because they are completely shut down due to all of these travel bans. So we're just trying to live vicariously through our past trips and really start looking forward to when we can all get back out there. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you guys on the water. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, we can't wait to tell more fishing stories. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water. If you have any questions, comments, or maybe even your own fishing story, shoot us an email at tellusafishingstory at gmail.com. Big thanks to the Jurassic Lake Lodge crew, including our guide Matt Cook. And also, big credit goes to Sam Williamson for the mandolin jingle. Thanks. We'll see you next time.